All right, Kelly. Kelly Robinson, thank you, sir. And good morning, everybody. Welcome. It's hot. It's hot across Texas. And yet we are here. We are here to answer your lawn and garden questions. How are we going to get your plants through this summertime? Well, that's what we can talk about. Jared Taylor is in the house, and he is answering the phones and getting you primed and ready to go on the air with me. That phone number, I need some calls. Really want your calls. 888-256-1080. 888-256-1080. There's one category of calls that's kind of difficult to answer on a phone call on a radio program, and that's St. Augustine Diagnostics. I'll try it. and I, It's not that I don't know the answers. I've lived with St. Augustine all of my life. But when you transition from take-all root rot of April and May and go into gray leaf spot in June and July and you throw in not enough sunlight because the tree, the uh, uh, grass is trying to grow under shade trees and you throw in the possibility, remote, very, very remote possibility of white grubworm damage from last fall and over the winter and you throw in chinch bugs that aren't active yet probably and maybe you forgot to water it last year. You throw in all that stuff, and the symptoms are all so very similar that it's hard to describe. Well, Neil, it's dead. It's dead in patches. Well, what are the patches? And and 10 minutes later, I realize I haven't helped this caller at all. And so I, I normally try to move on to other topics. Um, I have St. Augustine Diagnostics on my website with photographs that I think will serve you better at neilsperry.com, N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com. And it's right on the homepage, uh, so you can get to it really quickly. Uh, but if you need to call, I'll try, but I will warn you ahead of time, if it's going to turn into one of the tailspins, I, I have done this program now, this and another, well, I do four programs a week. Um, I've done them for 45 years and 450,000 phone calls. So it's not that I haven't had this call a lot of times. Anyway, that's where we are. Um, anything else? I see two calls that have come up and they aren't anywhere near that topic. So that's good news. So once again, that phone number is 888-256-1080 for the Texas Lawn and Garden Hour. We broadcast to about 33 stations statewide from the Panhandle to the South Texas uh, Corpus Christi area and from Alpine in the beautiful uh, Davis Mountains, Jesus Mountains, Big Bend country of West Texas. They're not in the Jesus Mountains. They're clear at the south end of the Big Bend. But uh, from that area all the way to Crockett in, in beautiful piney woods of East Texas. What a diverse state and wonderful state. We saw a, a movie. Our son took us to a, a documentary movie uh, uh, narrated by Matthew McConaughey. Lovely movie. Night before last as a Mother's Day, Father's Day gift. He took a couple of his kids with us. And uh, it's called uh, Deep in the Heart. And it shows the wide diversity of this state in topography and in animals and plants and uh, the struggles that some of the plants and animals are having existing. And uh, it's a, a lovely movie. So recommend it highly if you have it coming to a theater near you. Um, anyway, that's, uh, that's the breadth of our state and how we broadcast. Once again, 888-256-1080. We are right at the cusp now of the need to apply the second treatment for pre-emergent weed control. If you put out either Baylan or Dimension or Holtz, 
uh, with uh, it's it's Weed X with halts uh, for pre-emergent control of crabgrass and graspers. Those are the only ways that you can uh, deal with those weeds in lawn grasses. One of those three pre-emergent granules applied in early March for most of Texas. Earlier than that in South Texas, and a little bit later than that in the Panhandle. But uh, two weeks prior to the average date of your last killing freeze is the the specific timing. And then 90 days later, and that 90 days later means right about now. All right, so if you made that first application, it's time for the second treatment. If you didn't make the first one, no point in putting this one out. But that's uh, either Baylan or Holtz, Weedex with Holtz. They keep adding words to the name. uh, Or... uh, Dimension, I think, is one I didn't mention. So those are your, those are your assignments for this weekend. And water moderately after you make that application. Make sure your sprinkler system's working right. Uh, if you uh, are using a hose with a sprinkler on the end of it, move the sprinkler around a little bit each time you water. Position it in a little different position. That way you make sure that every plant gets watered um, uniformly. If you put it in the exact same spot every time, there might be something out on the edges that gets missed regularly. All right, let's get our program underway, and we'll go to our phone calls in just a moment. Let me tell you about Neil Sperry's Lone Star Gardening. The uh, The wonderful news is I'm going to go ahead and continue this offer for a little bit longer, not much longer, because I'm going to run out of books here before long at this price. I'm uh, kind of cleaning up the fifth printing of the book and trying to sell them all at $32.95. I'd like to get all of them sold, all of the fifth printing sold, and uh, so I've put them on sale. It will be $38.95 when I start uh, taking the sixth printing into inventory. But $32.95, there are two paragraphs in Chapter uh, 1, and they deal with uh, the, the cold of... Uh, 2021, February. And you know it happened, and I just say I'm so glad that we've always carried the Hardiness Zone map of 1990 in each of the printings of the book because that's the one you need to go with. Uh, Texas, uh, uh, the, well, anyway, the, the map from 2012 reflects uh, an error, I think, and always have thought, and, and I just say that in those two, two paragraphs. So there's no point in spending the extra money. Go ahead and get uh, this fifth printing at $32.95. It's 11 chapters. I didn't intend to spend that much time talking about that. 11 chapters. Chapter 1 is the basics of gardening in Texas, including the temperatures and the rainfalls and and soil types. Chapter 2 is a 48-page calendar, perpetual calendar of when to plant, prune, fertilize, and protect all of the plants in your landscape and garden. For example, prominently mentioned the pre-emergent weed control, but 48 pages of information. Then chapters 3 through 11 are detailed information of uh, trees, shrubs, vines, ground covers, annuals, perennials, lawns, fruit, and vegetables. It's a hardback on high-quality paper, 840 of my photographs, 344 pages printed in San Antonio. I sign every copy as it sells, and I guarantee your satisfaction, or I'll give you your money back if you're not happy. I have not been asked to refund on any book I've sold, 75,000 copies sold. 
I sign it and uh, and mail it the same within two days of when you uh, make the purchase. Here are the two ways you can buy it. It is not in stores, and it's not on Amazon. You buy it either by calling my office Monday through Friday, 800-752-GROW. You call during business hours, 800-752-4769. Or the other way you can order is by going directly to my website, and that's neilsperry.com, N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y dot com. It seems like these days, temporary storage facilities are on every street corner. But let's do a little bit of math. For what you are paying in yearly costs for that storage room, you could own your own metal storage building right there in your own backyard. That happens with a Mueller Backyard Building. Their backyard building kits are easy to assemble. They come with a bolt-together design, and they're priced right. You keep your stuff at home, and you're not throwing away money by leasing storage. Their kits come in a variety of sizes with more than 30 colors from which to choose. That adds style to your storage space. If you need a larger storage solution, Mueller's pre-engineered standard series buildings can accommodate almost any need, whether it's a smaller place for a lawnmower, a place for cars, boats, or even an RV. You can have peace of mind that a Mueller metal building will protect those treasures at a reasonable price. See all of your options at MuellerInc.com or give them a call at 877-2-MUELLER to find a location near you. That's 877-268-3553. They are Mueller. They're spectacular. M-U-E-L-L-E-R. They're made in America and they're made to last. I'll have more after this message. All right. Thank you, Kelly. We have only one line open, so make note of that number and use it. Use it now, 888-256-1080. Michelle is in College Station, where I grew up. Michelle, this is Neil. Good morning. Hi, Neil. I have questions about my Meyer lemon trees that I have in pots. Mm -hmm. Uh, They got a little damaged during the Texas freeze when I lost power to my greenhouse. And they lost about half of their leaves. But they put on, uh, this past spring, they put on a lot of blossoms. But as soon as they set fruit about the size of a black-eyed pea, all the fruit turned black and everything has fallen off. I just can't seem to get these lemon trees happy again. So what am well, I doing wrong, do if you they, think? If they sustain that kind of freeze damage, the last thing I would worry about is fruit. Oh, my goodness, I want to get my trees healthy again. And uh, Okay. So I would have advised you to leave one or two fruit and pluck all the rest off if you'd had fruit, uh, just to okay. let the tree reestablish. Um, so uh, that's not altogether a bad thing. How are the leaves doing at this point? I have half as many leaves as the plant should have. I mean, it's very bare. All right. And um, is there is there new they, growth? And they, are, are they putting new growth on no. the ends of the branches? No, and the branches are green. I mean, there is life in the branches, but they're okay. not putting on any leaves. You know, I would use a water soluble fertilizer. Let's let's not worry. I'll come back to the fruit in a minute. Uh, because I do get questions about it, and we'll we'll deal with it as if we were in a normal year. But I don't want to do that right now. Um, the uh, the the plant itself, plants themselves, 
I would use a water-soluble fertilizer about every maybe third or fourth time that you water them. Um, there are okay. several brands on the market. Uh, I won't go into detail of, of recommending one over another, but you want something that has a high first number, lots of nitrogen, oh. and it, you'll okay. dilute it according to the label directions, and you'll, you'll water uh, with that diluted fertilizer solution. Uh, that is a mineral salt, and so periodically, probably on the next watering, you'll want to water enough that you leach out any excess. You could actually do that every other time that you water. Put fertilizer on it, and then the next time leach out the excess so you don't get a buildup of mineral salts in the soil. But that will give it nutrition, and the, the plant will respond from that. I've had some plants that... Um, the the fertilizer system that I was using, the injector system, wasn't working as well as I thought it was, and they were getting hungry. And boy, I'll tell you, as soon as I got that fixed, wow, uh, the water-soluble fertilizers have quick results. They, they do a great job. So I'd, I'd worry more about getting your plants vigorous. And I'm, I keep speaking in the plural. You have more than one, right? Yes. Okay. All right. I don't want to sound like an idiot out there making it sound like you have an orchard when you have one plant. But anyway, I would. No, I, I have would, two. Okay, well, it's an orchard of two trees. I would get them doing well, and then we'll worry about the fruit. Now, it's not uncommon for somebody to call and say, "I have a, pe- a, a yeah, peach. I have a lemon tree, and it bloomed beautifully. The tree's healthy. It looks great, but I don't gain lemons. They they abort after they start to set fruit, and that could be a lack of pollination. They're pollinated by bees, and if for some reason they're indoors while they're blooming in a greenhouse that's closed and the bees can't get to them, then they're not going to have fruit. So that's a possibility. Or if they're sitting outside and you have a light frost, they could be frozen, knocked off that way. There, there are reasons that they abort their fruit. So that's a, those are things you have to analyze separately. But in this case, the, the, the big pig of the trough is the fact that the tree is hurting badly. It's it's not feeling well, and or they're now here. I'm singular. They're not doing well, and so they're aborting the fruit to try to keep the, the themselves alive. Okay, that's, that, that's a normal, natural occurrence. Okay. All right. Sounds like you've got it all worked out for me. Well, it works great in my head. <laughs> Whether, whether all that's accurate or not, it sure makes sense to me. <laughs> but, okay. the, but the fertilizing won't hurt, and the fact that the stems are still green and, and pliable, that's a wonderful sign because that means that I've given this advice to somebody very close to me, to our son Todd in California, who forgot to water his lemon tree on his patio in the Los Angeles area in Sherman Oaks. He loved his lemon tree. It had 50 or 75 or 100 big lemons and he forgot to mm. water it during their drought. And so I'm trying to help him nurture his tree back to health. And his tree looks the same as your tree's sound, uh, but because they lost roots in the drought, not because of cold. So I've given oh, okay. this advice another time. I'm, I'm rehearsed and ready. Okay. <laughs> I was waiting on you. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Neil. You betcha. Good luck with them. With them. Thank uh- you. Let me go to Jason in Anderson, Texas. Jason, this is Neil. Good morning. Good morning, Neil. Yes, sir. How can I help? Yes, sir. I've got about uh, oh, about 10 uh, oak trees, anything from live oak to water oak uh, trees. They're probably about 
two to three inch calipers to about six inch calipers I've, I planted two or three years ago. Noticed uh, some bagworms on them last year, and uh, once this heat hit, uh, they've, they've really uh, got a lot of bagworms on them. Um, so I need to know how I need to treat these guys. Uh, I appreciate I, your help. I, I want to ask you something. Uh, when you say bagworms, are you talking about the, the, the insects that hang down like little Christmas ornaments in a bag that they carry with them initially? Yes. Okay. On the leaves. Yeah. You know, I got to admit something, um, and I'm not an entomologist. That that I'm I'm more than willing to admit. I'm a horticulturist. Um, I found something out a year or two ago when I was doing research on bagworms, and those are truly called bagworms. A lot of people call webworms. Erroneously call them bagworms. Um, I found out the bagworms. There are other species closely akin to the ones that get on eastern red cedars and other junipers. There are close relatives that, that do prefer oaks. I always thought that it was uh, the same insect that just somehow made a wrong turn and ended up on an oak tree. But there are, um, there are types, uh, a species, that, that, that prefer oaks, and so we can expect to see them that way. So uh, I just throw that out for what little bit it's worth. Uh, the answer would be the same for your oaks as it would be for somebody who called with a juniper that had bagworms on it, and that is you need to learn, uh, it, it probably will need to be next year now, but you need to learn to watch for the tiny bagworms as they start to feed when they're, they're very small. And in Anderson, that may be, <clears throat> that may be uh, late May. Uh, you'll see the, the little things when they're not any bigger than uh, a pencil point, you know, the, the sharpened part of a pencil. The, the bag may not be any bigger than a pencil or eraser pulled out. And if you can get them at that point while they're mobile and while that little bag is being pulled around like a trailer, they're easy to control. Any general purpose insecticide, if you can get the spray up onto them, the delivery of the spray may be the bigger problem. You'll need some kind of spray sprayer that will get it up however high, 15, 20, 30 feet in the air. Um, any, you could use BT, Bacillus thuringiensis, which is an organic insecticide. Uh, uh, spinosad would control them, another organic insecticide, or you could use seven or malathion. So they're not hard to control. It's going to be the delivery of the insecticide that will be your issue, and you have to do it before they uh, tie themselves to the twigs <clears throat> and hang downward. Once they do that, they are sequestered within the bags, and they're through feeding for that year. So I can go ahead and uh, spray them with that do if much at this point? If they're still feeding, you can. If they're through feeding, they have they have tied the, the neck of the bag, the, or the bags. Each one of them has tied its own bag tight, and the spray won't penetrate, won't get in. That's like a canvas bag. They're, they're incredible. And they're in there for the rest of this growing season. But if they're still moving around, they're, you have great contact with them. They're easy to control. Are they still moving? Okay. Uh, I've just noticed that there's a lot more on the leaves here in the last week or two when it's gotten really hot. So, right. And they well, seem to be them. bigger. Yeah, watch them. To, well, big is not good because that means they're getting closer and closer to finishing their feeding. And so look at them closely. Watch a, a branch and see if they're moving actively. Uh, if you have a, a pole pruner, 
if they're if they're too high for you to see easily, drop a, a small branch, maybe 18 inches down, uh, 18 inches. Drop it down to the ground and look at them and and see if they're uh, if they're attached. If you if you pull on one of the bags and it just comes loose in your hand, if it's not, I mean, if it just comes off in your hands, then they're not attached yet. If you have to grab hold of it with both hands and put your feet firmly on the ground, then they're they're through feeding. Hmm. And in that case, you're just going to have to suffer through it, and and uh, they will overwinter that way. And then the moths, the adult moths, will fly early next spring, mate, and lay their eggs. And I don't know the entire exact precise life cycle, but that's that's the gist of how it, how it happens. So they're not detrimental. It's just a nuisance to the tree. It sounds like they they won't kill it. Uh, what will happen will be that the bags, when they're tied around the twigs, will probably girdle the twigs, and you'll have a lot of little tip dieback. You may see dead twigs uh, uh, four or five inches long that are girdled and turned brown, and that'll be what it wow. is. If you if you drop those to the ground and look at them, you'll see where where it's been pinched, like there's been a little wire around it. Well, it's the fiber of the of the uh, uh, bagworm. Okay. Okay. I, I now officially have told you more than I know. <laughs> oh, I appreciate the I appreciate the help. Uh, I got I a question I, for you. I have a yeah. I get a lot of I have a question for you. When I was growing up in College Station, we'd go to Conroe. We would come through Anderson, and if I blinked, I missed it. How many people live in Anderson now? Uh, population is two hundred twenty-two. Thank you. Two hundred twenty-two people or thousand. <laughs> I'm serious. I I haven't been through Anderson for a while. How how many people? Two hundred twenty-two people. You there? Yes, sir. Oh, I think yes, sir. Two hundred twenty-two people. Wow. I think you all have called me at some point because I get a lot of calls from Anderson. Or maybe you're just calling me. I don't know. Anyway, it's good to hear from you. Thank you. I didn't mean to. Embarrass I appreciate you. the help. Thank you. Thank Anytime. You. Thank you, Jason. All right. Um. That used to be one of my favorite trips because we'd go from Navasota East and I'd get into those piney woods. I loved the piney woods. Be right back, and we're going to go to Nathan in College Station and be in Crockett. And we have lines open now, 888-256-1080. Call now, 888-256-1080. Niels Ferry's eGardens is my free electronic newsletter. It comes from my, commu- uh, my computer directly to your email. And that happens on Thursdays, just a little after 6 p.m. You know, I've been telling you for years that I spend about a day to a day and a half a week on eGardens. Well, with this new Q&A format that we have, oh, my gosh, it's like two to two and a half days a week. And frankly, I I don't know that I have that much time. So I'm trying to figure a way to work the Q&A part and make it more efficient. Gretchen has helped a lot by pulling the questions uh, out of the, uh, the, the mailbag for me. But anyway, it's fun to do e-gardens. We always have a featured plant of the week. I always have gardening this weekend where I point out the most critical things for you to get done. And uh, this week we had uh, a nice story from Diane Sitton in southeast Texas. And This coming week I'll have a story by Stephen Shambly. Always fun to see what he has on his mind. And uh, But otherwise, I write all the stories, and I want it to be like an old-fashioned garden section. The Q&A section, I used to pick uh, a, a, a featured question of the week or maybe two. Now I take uh, 15 or, or 20. This time we had 24 questions. Oh, my goodness. 
and I worked about 16 hours on those 24 questions, not because I had to look up answers, just a lot of formatting things and, and uh, computer things. There's a learning curve, and I'm also having, well, I have now new computer glasses, and I think that'll help too. So anyway, I'm telling you more than you need to know. But I think you'll like eGardens. Take a look at it where you sign up for it. If you're not a subscriber, you need to be. It's free and always will be. And I don't give or sell your email address to anybody, so that's safe. And I don't spam you. You'll never get another email from me other than eGardens. Simple as that. So take a look at it at the place that, where you do sign up. That's at neilsperry.com. N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com. Click on eGardens. More after these messages. All right, Kelly, thank you much. Let's go to B in Crockett. B, this is Neil. Good morning. How are you? Good morning, Neil. Nice to chat with you. Thank you. Same here. I have a question about my sassafras trees. Mm -hmm. They have all kind of overnight lost all the leaves. I understand there's some kind of a disease with them, and I'm wondering, shall I just cut them all down, or is there any hope, or tell me what? B, I do not know. I, I, sassafras does not grow outside the piney woods, outside the acidic soil, so I'll have to do some research and find out for you. Um, well, I'm deep. I'm deep in in piney woods. No, that's what I'm saying. Oh. I live in the Dallas oh, Fort Worth area. I, oh, okay. I, yeah. I use sassafras lumber. Well, I used to when I didn't have vertigo and I could could work with power tools. But, oh, really? Uh, I okay. Love the smell of sassafras wood when I'm turning pens oh, yeah. or when I'm using a mm-hmm. table saw. Uh, but I have not been able to, I tried growing it, and uh, it needs even more acidic soil than azaleas do. Um, let me see if I can find anything. Uh, I, what I will do is I'm going to search, um, I'll, I'll try Aggie Horticulture and Sassafras. I, I'll tell you where I'm going to start first is Texas A&M Plant Disease Handbook. That's the uh, plant pathology, labor, uh, well, it's Texas Plant Disease Laboratory at A&M. And I'm going to see what sassafras kicks up there. Oh, okay. Uh, we did. Fa- we called A&M when we first found it, and they did say that this was the first report they'd had from Houston County of the sassafras um, wilt. or the I, I called it a wilt just because all the leaves just died. Did they have a you specific know? name that they referred to? Ah, they did not. Um, because that that I, would be a head start. Yeah, I'm sassafras sorry. No. Sassafras is native across the south, and and so here's what I would do, will do. Uh, okay. I don't know that I can do it in a one minute break, but here's what I will do. Uh, I would I would start with uh, uh, just outline how I do this kind of research. I do it all the time uh, all right. for my question and answer columns and for the Q and A I just mentioned for eGardens. I start with a university. In this case, it would be A&M. I know to go with Texas Plant Disease Handbook. That's where they have the compendium of all the plant diseases of cultivated plants, of, okay. of horticultural plants, not I don't want field crops. All right, so Texas uh, Plant Disease Handbook, Texas A&M, and okay. I would enter sassafras. I would see what they had. Okay. If I don't find anything that really uh, tickles my fancy, then I will start a new search, and I will put... University, plant pathology, sassafras, and I'll look for land-grant universities in the south, like Clemson 
and the University of North uh, North Carolina State, NCSU. I'll look for uh, Auburn. These are the mm-hmm. these and LSU. Those are the schools that typically, for me, have the most reliable answers. I don't want to see blogs and people's opinions. I, I have no interest in that. Yes. Um, okay. There are some things that I just don't even bother to look at, and they're usually they're, they're they've been geared so that they're the top matches, um, and I don't want to mention them for liability. <laughs> Uh, libel reasons, but but they're just they're fluff. They're nothing. Yeah. But the I, the I, university, I'll put university as my first key word. So I'll try to do that for you. But I don't know. Um, do you do you take my newsletter? I do not. I would. I need to do that. I well, would like if to I do. if I knew that you did, I would put this question. Since I'm not able to help you here, I would put it in the Q and A for you and force it to the top oh, of that okay, list. Okay, that'd be. Great. I, but, I will I, sign up. I, I did buy a book from you a no, while back. No, that doesn't do it. If I know your, that you're getting the newsletter, yeah. it will be at the top of the okay. list of Q&A. But I, okay. I need your promise that you'll sign up for it, because if I answer it there and you're not there, it's of no value. I but promise. It'll, it'll be there Thursday. It'll be there Thursday. Okay, great. I'll see what okay. I can do. All right. I'll uh, write down Sassafras uh, for B. I'll see what I can find. Excellent. Thank you so much. You bet. Enjoy your show. I enjoy Thank you. it so much. It'll be fun okay. to try to find some help for you. I'll do my best. Oh, thanks. Okay. Thank bye you, bye. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Well, let's go to, you know, I need to get a break in. Then we'll come back to Brian in College Station and Ron in Abilene. Stay with me. And I want to tell you about my book. I'm really happy with my book, and I hope you will be. I uh, hope you'll give it a chance. It's Neil Spray's Lone Star Gardening. I've always worked through a publishing house before, and I wanted to go with a self-published book. So I'd have Carolyn Skye as my editor and Cindy Smith as a graphic designer. These two ladies are spectacular in their jobs, and it was fun working with them. Well, uh, we have a book that has 840 of my photographs. That was Cindy's nightmare to put those into a coherent book. And she did it. And Carolyn got to take all of my words, all of my writing I wrote for a year, and make that coherent. And I think she did. That's that's for you to judge. But of the 75,000 people who have bought the book, nobody has asked for a refund, so I, she must have done it right. It's 11 chapters. Chapter 1 is the basics of gardening in Texas, what you need to know to get started. Chapter 2 is a... 48-page calendar, four pages per month of what you need to plant, prune, fertilize, and spray in that month. Four pages per month. I've never done that in a book anywhere. Chapters 3 through 11 are incredibly detailed chapters on trees, shrubs, vines, ground covers, annuals, perennials. Those two chapters are huge. Uh, Also then lawns and fruit and vegetables. I worked more than a month on each one of those chapters. So that's what you have. The book is not in stores and it's not on Amazon. I chose not to put them in those places, not because I wanted to make every possible dollar. I didn't, and I'm not. Um, I chose to do that because I could keep the price lower for you and because I also then could sign every copy as it sells. That's what I'm doing. I've sold those 75, I've signed those 75,000 copies, and uh, I'll sign your copy as soon as it sells. Uh, The two ways you can buy it, call my office Monday through Friday, business hours, and that is 800-752-GROW, 800-752-4769, or 
Go to my website right now and order it at neilsperry.com. N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y dot com. I'll have more after these messages. Thank you, Kelly. I did a really quick preview to see what I'll find to help be in Crockett about her sassafras trees uh, suddenly uh, wilting and dying, and it's going to be an easy hunt. I put university, uh, sassafras wilt, plant pathology. Those are my key words. And uh, USDA government was the top match, uh, University of Kentucky. And here comes my, my buddies, here come my buddies, Clemson, number three. They, they have wonderful information. So does North Carolina State, but they didn't show up right away. Uh, University of Florida, uh, another uh, U.S. government, another University of Florida, another Kentucky. There will be a lot more. Uh, it's uh, Laurel Wilt that's also getting sassafras. I will have an answer for her. And a lot of links, it looks like. So there we go. That, I think, is going to prove to be a pretty good way to get help for folks when I can't answer. I have uh, a chance to do the homework I need to do. Let's go to Brian in College Station. Brian, this is Neil. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. We enjoy your show and your newsletter and your website. And per your recommendation, we had used successfully a fertilone for broadleaf weed control uh, with gallery for control of a uh, roadside aster and on the bag it lists several trees but for another property uh, it doesn't list uh, post oaks uh, do you know if that's safe to use around post oaks i know people don't plant those but they were already there sure i understand uh, does it list any other oaks yes it does it lists uh, willow oaks and uh, live oaks think, and i would think others. it would be fine uh, you could also call the voluntary purchasing group vpg in uh, in Bonham and ask them. They would have all of the documentation. Um, you know, Brian, if post oaks weren't so darn finicky, I wouldn't worry. They're just so so persnickety. I don't. I can't imagine there would be any problem at all. Uh, however, okay. I well, thanks for your recommendation today. Yeah, yeah. They've sure been. It sure has done the job on that in in our yard. It's been really good. successful. So good, thanks. good, good, good. That's great. Well, it's good to hear from you. Thanks. Have a good one. All right. I'm going to take my last break, then we have Ron in Abilene with the pine tree question. And so, Ron, you stay there, and I'll come right to you. Let me tell you about my website, and I'm going to do this ad very quickly because uh, uh, you've heard most of it already. Uh, number one, the website is where you buy my book, Neil Spray's Lone Star Gardening. It and co- The website and calling my office are the only two ways that you can buy my book. So that's at neilsperry.com, N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com. That's where you sign up for eGardens, my newsletter. It's also where you find my 1,001 frequently asked questions. You won't find anything about sassafras on, on my website. That is not one of the frequently asked questions. That is a good one, though. I love that kind of question. Um, you also will find archived information about rose rosette virus on the homepage and about crepe myrtle bark scale, things of that sort. So that's at neilsperry.com. Again, N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com. The 1930s were difficult times for America. The country was in the Great Depression. Jobs were scarce. Hopes remained high, 
It was during that time that Mueller started making metal products. And now, now here we are 90 years later. The Mueller name is known across the South as having the finest in quality steel and workmanship. Mueller and its products understand what it means to weather the storm. A Mueller metal roof is made to last and to protect you and your most valued possessions from the harsh weather we've become accustomed to in our area. A Mueller metal roof can endure the intense sun, the heavy rain, hail, snowstorms for years to come. That's a lot longer than a conventional roof. If you want peace of mind for the future, choose a metal roof for your home, a roof that's been made by Mueller. Visit MuellerInc.com, M-U-E-L-L-E-R-I-N-C.com. You'll learn more, and you'll find a location near you. You'll see why a Mueller metal roof is the best thing to put over your head. Give them a call at 877-2-MUELLER. Again, M-U-E-L-L-E-R. That's 877 877- Two six eight three five five three, or stop by one of their thirty-three locations. They're Mueller. They're made in America, and they're made to last. MuellerInc.com. I'll have more after this message. All right, thank you, Kelly. We are going to finish up with Ron in Abilene. Ron, this is Neil. Good morning. Good morning, sir. Thank you for taking my call. Absolutely. I have, um, we have had a grass fire here and it has damaged 41 of my windbreak Afghan pine trees. And the ones that I cannot save, I'm just wondering what I can replace them with because I've had some trouble with uh, dieback on the top of some of those trees. Uh, like two years ago when the temperature dropped, you know, 50 degrees overnight, it right. killed some of my the tops of some of my trees. So I'm wondering what I can replace those with. You know, the Afghan pines, Elderica pines, were an enigma. They came into Texas in the 1970s, and and for 20 years we thought we had a real winter. And one by one, area by area, we found that they were really full of blemishes. Um, the biggest blemish was that they they can't handle wet soils, and I know you not you aren't wet a lot in Abilene, but even out in Alpine, I was out in Alpine one year when they had had rain, a lot of rain for them, and and some of their Afghan pines were were dying, their Elderica pines were dying, and it really happened in the Dallas Fort Worth area where I live, and almost all of them are gone now. The cold did some damage. They're native to a cold area, but that was just such an odd and extreme cold. Um, probably probably eastern red cedar um, or one of the other junipers would be your best bet. Uh, stay away from Leyland cypress. It, it looks beautiful, but it has its own horrible and fatal problems. We, we just, it seems like all of the conifers that would make windbreaks have have problems, make sure you need a windbreak. Um, windbreaks get a lot of credit for things that they really don't do, and, and we really would rather have the, the breeze in the summertime than, than uh, think that we're getting help in the winter. I, I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about that, but do a little bit of homework on whether the, the windbreak is a good idea for you. Uh, sometimes if they're improperly placed, a windbreak can 
actually move the air up and over the plants and dump it right onto your house. So um, a lot of plants will come back from fire. Don't immediately assume that the plant is lost. That's one, one comment I'll make for you. But hopefully that's of help to you. Live oaks and um, live oak might be a, a satisfactory replacement as an evergreen tree if you if you need something of that sort i'm out of time i must run i appreciate uh, all of you all for listening jared taylor for running the show happy gardening